yeah, it's cash. DJ Deuce McGuire, this hot as a log fire Spark the lighter in the 303, we wrestle at the quarry Golden Colorado, Mercury Pro Wrestling Academy Elevated Wrestling, yeah Hashtag follow if you know the motto Can't stop now, got the need for speed Combustion and concussion, championships in my vision I put the key in the ignition Such an easy decision, I got a hustler's ambition Wrestling at its best, welcome to the show I put on for Rocky Mountain Pro, let's go All right, welcome to RMP Radio, and no, this is not the voice of Austin Reddick. This is Mr. Fourth Row, and on this episode, I have uh, Cormac Battle, the Duke of the Downbeat. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on, Artie. Appreciate you making time. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, hey, uh, so as we are on uh, RMP Radio, we're just going to talk about whatever comes up, kind uh, of break the fourth wall and get to know a little bit more of the uh, wrestlers behind, the person behind the wrestlers, I should say, actually. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so uh, you recently uh, returned uh, to the wrestling scene uh, from a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, do you mm-hmm. uh, you want to talk about that? Yes, absolutely. So... I was going pretty hard there for a lot of 2017 um, through 18, um, doing shows every, um, you know, week, usually a couple times a week. And I, you know, the thing about wrestling, which is world ever, like ever, but it also really takes it out of you in a mental, you know, physical way. And, you know, I think that. For me, I wanted to take a little break just to kind of reassess myself and kind of recenter my mindset, as well as just kind of take care of a couple nagging injuries. Like I've got a I've got a bad shoulder thing I've had for a minute, so I just kind of wanted to rest that for a while. But um, I am back, basically full time at this point, doing shows every single week, and it's a good hang, man. I'm really really happy to be back. It's a it's a really really um, good place for me to be in right now. I can balance it pretty well with the other parts of my life that need attention. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. Oh, good, good. Well, you know, sitting on the, this side of the ropes, it's uh, definitely. Uh, I was excited to see you come back, and of course, uh, come back with uh, Rocky Mountain Pro, which is where it kind of all started, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Did it originally started with Rocky Mountain Pro, trained by uh, Matt Yaden, trained by Hoodie, trained by. Uh, Sammy Six Guns, Danger Deans, yeah, that's where it all kind of began for me. Yeah, all right. So, um, you know, you're, you're talking about just kind of going hard uh, there with the the wrestling, and uh, you and I talked a little bit offline. So, um, was it it was just because kind of getting you down, getting you a little, um, you know, battling a little, a little depression too at the mm-hmm. same time? For sure. So that runs in my family. Um, depression, just kind of like emotional instability, is uh, runs in my family um, pretty strongly, and so. I think it was part of that. Um, a lot of it was kind of deciding what I wanted to do with wrestling um, because there was a, a while there where I was just kind of showing up to shows and just like going through the motions. And that's never a good mindset to have when you're trying to, you know, go into such a physical uh, contact um, endeavor such as that. So, you know, I, I always told myself when I was training that if I ever felt like a chore or like if I ever felt like I needed to do a show as opposed to wanted to do a show – then I should probably take some time away from it and kind of get centered and decide what I really wanted to do. So it was partly that a lot of just like little life stuff in between, um, that I kind of wanted to 
to give it its proper attention, everything. So, yeah, you know, it's it's something that, especially on the the depression side of it, like that's something that's gone, that's very much in my family. It's something I've grown up with my whole life, and just finding the right way to deal with it. Um, I don't think that it's something that ever necessarily just goes away. I think it's really all about how you deal with it and how you decide to. I don't want to say treat it because I don't really use antibiotics as I used to when I was a kid. Not antibiotics, but like medication. Like when I was a kid, I used a little bit. Not so much anymore. But just really kind of find the best way to work with it and to overcome it, I guess. Right. I yeah. I, I understand. So, uh, what was your what was your um, way that you got over it? Was it just was it just the time factor? Just uh, mm-hmm. you know, taking the time out for your your mental health. And let's say, let's tell all the listeners out there that mental health is you know as important as physical health. Absolutely. Absolutely. That I agree with 110 percent. I think that, you know, if you if you break an arm, the recovery time is, you know, two, three months, whatever it is. But with mental health things, I mean, the recovery time is as long as it's going to be. And especially in, I think, pro wrestling, like I really think that mental health and pro wrestling go together hand in hand. Um, A lot of people get into pro wrestling because they feel marginalized and because they feel that it can be an outlet for them. So I really do think that's a critical part of it. For me, I just decided that I really wanted to – I love pro wrestling. Like I, I, it's my it's my absolute favorite thing that I've ever been a part of. Rocky Mountain Pro is really and truly a second family to me. For me, it was just I need to give it the respect and the attention that it deserves. And I couldn't do that if I was being pulled in so many other directions focusing on these other parts of my life. And so what I did is I just decided, okay, I'm going to take a few months away let my shoulder heal up, let my body and mind heal up a little bit. I really spent a lot of time with my family, my parents, um, always been a huge support system for me. My parents are my absolute, you know, biggest supporters in the world, love them to death. Um, so it was really a lot of time spent with them, uh, catching up with some old friends, getting into new, um, like making new friends as well as meeting up with old friends, just kind of really focusing on the relationships that I had use them to build me back up and kind of replenish myself and then get jump back into wrestling kind of reinvigorate and revitalize okay yeah yeah i got you so um if i can uh take the floor a little bit i Please. i want to i want to tell people that you know there's always options out there if you are struggling uh you can always call the uh national um crisis line which you can google uh a lot of uh, states do have what's called a warm line so they have a peer counselor that has gone through uh something similar to you so you can i know in colorado if you call the national crisis line and i believe if you dial uh star when you call in they they give you that option and so you know if you just need somebody to talk to and they're they're you know they're there 24 hours a day seven days a week uh, and it's it's very important and uh i if i um i'm gonna try not to cry uh you know and i know some of some of my friends out there know this but last year i went through um, a little bit of a depression about myself because I had a very, very good friend, very, very close friend, uh, that moved away last year due to, uh, family issues, uh, here in Colorado. And it was important for them to, um, get away from that toxic situation. And when they moved away, um, I came into the realization that I was actually in love with this person. And... Um, it just was kind of deep down and, uh, this is the first time that I've truly felt like I've been in love with somebody and my heart's going to always still be with them. 
and uh, it um, I, I utilize all those tools that I talk about. Um, I also did, you know, I'm going to, you know, I know when a hole's barred. You know, I did go on Zola for a little while for last uh, for about six to nine months last year, and um, you know, it does help. Uh, I would say, and it does for all of you out there. Um, if you are struggling, I know it, it, we we tell you it's going to take time, and it's hard to see that when you're in the situation, and it's hard not to see that light at the end of the top tunnel, and um, but it is there, and um, I am feeling a lot better because it does take time, it, you know. Like I said, utilize your tools, utilize your friends, utilize your family. There's a lot about there, and you never know who you can talk to about these things. Um, there's a I'm going to give a special shout out to. Um, a couple of the uh, whim wrestlers I got talked to, uh, you know, uh, with uh, Rocky Mountain Pro about this situation. So, special shout out to um, to uh, um, to uh, Shade, uh, Aria, and uh, to Allie. Hell yeah! Um, that I got to talk to about this, and they all understood the situation that I was going through. Because, um, especially Allie, because she uh, she, she had met the, this person quite a few times over. Because I took her a lot of the wrestling events and. She saw some of the things they too, and and of course Anaya did too. He even made some jokes that we weren't really necessarily dating, but we're just really good friends. And so that's that was kind of the hard part of the situation. So, and uh, as you can tell, it's it's uh, still a difficult situation to kind of talk about. And like you had said, uh, Cormac, that uh, you know you don't necessarily. Um, get over it, but you are able to uh, at least manage it. Mm-hmm. And not to like belabor the point, but obviously, if you're struggling with it, like obviously, that there's all kinds of options for people that are not struggling with it. Reach out to people, just kind of check in. You know, like you never know people that are going through shit. I don't know. Can I swear on this thing? Oops. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you never know who's going through stuff, so it's really important that you're always checking with people and just making sure that they feel, even if they like, you know, hey, I actually don't need to talk about it. It's okay. Just to know that they have a support system in their friends, in their family, like that's that's a huge part of it too. Yeah, you know, and it's it's about relationships. Um, uh, in fact, uh, last night this recording, uh, um, uh. Uh, Monster Zero came up to me after the show. He said, "Hey, how you guys? How you doing?" Because he knows, I think he knows I was struggling too, and he's always checking on me. He's one of, the, he's one of the, you, you know, this, this lumberjack of a guy. You wouldn't think that he uh, has, uh, he he cares about people, but he, you know, he does. And so it's always cool when uh, I get to talk to him after a show, and uh, he's always checking on people and stuff too. So you know, there's always there's people around. You 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 may not even you may not know. That they're uh, they're seeing things, but they 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 are. If you if you put stuff out there, people will care. You make make relationships, and it'll it'll help you out. It'll benefit it'll benefit you twofold. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> this is gonna be kind of a uh, you know hard uh, transition, but uh, so another thing I'd like to talk to you about. Uh, like I said, we're just talking about whatever. Uh, one thing I discussed about with you is. You are kind of in the process. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if I've seen you do anything. Excuse me, lately. Um, but one of your big uh, like projects or kind of interest is to go and rewatch old Disney movies. So tell the uh, listeners about that. What, what totally. was the reasoning? What was the reasoning, and how's it going? Yeah, yeah. So I really love animation. I've always loved animation since I was a kid. I like. 
um, watched a lot of cartoons growing up, and then it just kind of always stuck with me. So I really love the concept of animation. I love like the theory of animation, and I love movies too. I love cinematography. I love going back and watching old movies and combining the two things to have a different like the theory of setting up a movie is completely different with animation, and I think that's fascinating. So. I started um, going back and watching all the Disney movies, um, Disney animated movies from start uh, to finish, meaning starting with Snow White, ending in, what would that be now? I guess Frozen 2 is about to come out, so it'd be Frozen 2. So that's where I am. Um, I didn't realize that Disney is going to start their own streaming service pretty soon, so I feel like a goofball for spending 15 bucks a movie for the last year, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, I started with uh, Snow White. Ran all the way up. Um, I am currently on Tarzan. Haven't uh, I've seen it before, but I haven't reviewed it just yet for this project. Um, I've kind of slowed down with that just because wrestling is kind of you know again taking such a huge part of my life, and also I've just been so busy recently. I just don't have time to watch it. But I'm hoping I think I'll, I'll bust it out maybe uh, at some point this week and just kind of get it taken care of. Um, but it's awesome, man. I love. I, I just really love going back and seeing all these different stylistic choices and seeing all these different. Uh, theorems that were developed because of these old movies, all the technology that was created during the time. And honestly, as cool as it is to watch the movies themselves and just appreciate them for what they are, I also do a lot of research for each of the movies I watch and just learn about their development and learn about their history. And it's just fascinating some of this stuff. Like, for instance, The Fox and the Hound is like a solid movie for what it is. It's pretty cookie cutter stuff, but the background information on it about how there was a huge like split down the middle between all of Disney's animators and production team that led to like 14 animators walking off set midway through production. Like that kind of stuff is fascinating to me. I love the historical context of all these old movies and what they, how each of them kind of led into the next one and what it meant for the future of the company as they were made. I love shit like that. Obviously I'm geeking out about it as I talk about it. So yeah, huge fan of watching all those old movies and learning so much about them. Well, yeah, well, of course you've got a Mickey mouse uh, tattoo. I mean, come on. I sure do. <laughs> so, uh, what, so what's, um, the most kind of like really like one or two, uh, fascinating things that you've uh, found out by doing some of this research. That you're like, wow. Or, or, you know, just, or if there's even more than two, go ahead. And... Yeah. Oh man. There's so many options. Okay. So the Fox and the Hound for what it is, like I said, like that's a pretty cookie cutter movie, but I was, I loved, uh, I didn't love hearing about the discourse, but it's just fascinating to read all this discourse. Like that, like that was the movie that caused Don Bluth to just walk off set and start his own company, which obviously led to a whole other sl slew of movies, which might, I might have to go through and review at some point. Um, what else? Well, uh, learning about how they really uh, modernized and pioneered a widescreen, starting with Lady and the Tramp, first animated movie to be shot in widescreen, and you can really see the difference there. Um, how Walt uh, patented or had an exclusive rights to um, the tricolor picture using blue, red, and green as opposed to just red and green um, led him to use a lot more colors and um, different palettes that other animators and other productions couldn't use at all. So just all this cool technical stuff, all these different technologies that they created. Um, there's a, oh, what's that gimmick called? It's a thing that, that they created for some of their older stuff. And it's like you put like five different planes 
stack them up on top of each other of like scenery and you drove a camera down from the top through the bottom of them to get a, like a, a close up shot, which had very, very, uh, you know, old school and by our standards, very, you know, uh, prehistoric ways of looking at 3D. Um, just all kinds of cool stuff like that. Obviously, it's outdated to, like now. You know, right. it's, a, it's a goofball idea now, but just the way they come up with it back then and they were like, yep, you know, let's just stand on a 15-foot high ladder to make this shot work. Like, that's just fascinating to me. Right. Well, they had to do what they had to do at the time, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's just, it's so cool to me. Like, the ingenuity of these guys back then who had, you know, less technology than my phone has on a bad day. Like that's just, it's fascinating to me. I love this stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, so I was just, um, confirming what I know about, uh, Disney plus is the streaming service that we're talking yeah. about, uh, launching uh, November 12th in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's uh $7 a month, I believe. So around, around there. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, it's not, we're not quite, I don't think they're quite sure about what exactly is going to be launched at the time. But, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, Disney, of course, has a lot of deals, you know, still in progress with with uh, Netflix and then, you right. know, like a lot of uh, pay services and stuff like that. I think a lot of Disney movies are like on the stars uh, movie platform in that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. so I think I think when a lot of those get unwinded or run down, then we'll see uh, Disney Plus uh, probably really explode with, with content. But Yeah, you know, someone said that they're going to put the entirety of their vault up on there, and I was like, oh, my God, like, that would be awesome because I really want to get into some of these old kind of hidden movies that you don't find so much anymore. Right, and the ones you just, yeah, like you say, you can't find. It's, you know, hard to purchase even on even on DVD probably. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so uh, what, are the, what, what, what are some of your uh, favorite uh, Disney movies? Oh my goodness! For okay, so <laughs> let's uh, see. Okay, so I think that Pinocchio is a classic, and honestly, is better than you think it is. I think that Alice in Wonderland is great. Uh, my personal favorite Disney movie is Hercules. It's the one I grew up with. I think a lot of the comedy and animation holds up today. Um, my favorite modern one is Moana. I think that's an absolute masterpiece. Um, not just because the rocks in it, but he's amazing too. Um, but that movie is just an absolutely, it's gorgeous. It's funny. It's musically incredible. Yeah. That's an absolute masterpiece. And then some older ones that I think still hold up. Like Alice, like I said, Alice Wonderland and Pinocchio Dumbo is still really, really solid for what it is. Uh, they threw it together, um, on absolutely no budget and they just kind of made it to make it at like, there's, there's no like really big creative process in it they just kind of threw it together and it's still a pretty solid movie yeah there really aren't that many bad disney movies um there are some that i think are not very good which a lot of people disagree with but there really not are not any that are not that are truly bad and that's part of why it's so fascinating to do all this like they've pretty consistently kept a standard of quality through what is it now almost 80 something years yeah yeah well, um, to me, um, you know, one of my um, most memorable movies is going to be uh, Robin Hood, mm-hmm. and mainly that was because at the time uh, we just gotten cable and uh, the Disney Channel was on there, and I think that movie was like on all the time on the Disney. Channel oh, sure. At the time, back in uh, eighty six, eighty seven, or whatever, whenever it was, then we got we got cable. 
Uh, it had yeah. to have been it had to have been eighty seven, I, I think, and but um, you know, as we get older, we're trying to remember yearly dates. Is <laughs> oh yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but you it's know, it's wild that Robin Hood had so many like, it's all like country stars. Yeah. Like you got a uh, you got Phil Harris, obviously, who was like a staple for for Disney back then, but like. Brian Bedford's in there, um, and then uh, there's a very Roger Miller is um, like a he was a huge star back then. He's in that movie. Yeah, well, and you can I mean now that you know if uh, people haven't uh, didn't know that go rewatch it and you can see there's that country star influence on the movie. Absolutely, especially the soundtrack. It's a, it's a cool movie. I really like that one. Yeah, it's it's definitely fun. So uh, so well now speaking of. Uh, 1987. That's also when I got into speed. Uh, get into uh, baseball. So I know you're a big baseball fan too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, what's your uh, what's your favorite team? So I have my National League and my American League. I got the Rockies in the National League and the White Sox in the American League. Um, growing up in Chicago, we used to go to a lot of White Sox and Cubs games, um, and I always liked the White Sox better, just because they um, I think had more colorful characters on their team. Um, and I got to actually go see the White Sox uh, win the World Series in 2005. Um, my pops and I went down went down to Chicago um, to we catch game two, which I think was the first and I think the only game to have a grand slam take the lead in the seventh inning or later. And then there was also a walk-off home run, one of the craziest experiences of my entire life. Um, so, yeah. Diehard Rockies fan, diehard White Sox fan. Those are my two teams. Yeah. Now, uh, so so um, did you not become a, a a Rockies fan until like the team was, uh, you know, started? Or... Yeah. So the Rockies started when I was born, ninety three. Okay. Um, and then when I was living in Chicago, I didn't really know that much about them. And then when I came out here to, to Colorado in the year two thousand, is when I started to watch more of them. Obviously, because they were the local team. And I really liked the idea of a bunch of dudes because I, when I was a kid, I didn't really know so much about the strategy. I just really wanted to see the big plays and home runs. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did back then. The Blake Street Bombers were just going up there and mashing. Yeah. Their pitching wasn't great, but they would definitely hit home runs. So I was always a fan of Todd Helton, Dante Bichette, Galarraga, all those cats. And so no as <laughs> I kind of grew older and I started to understand a little bit more of the concept of like, hey, like you have to actually pitch decent to – be a good team too um yeah they just always kind of stuck with me and i and i've really kind of the rockies and i have almost like grown up together yeah. uh, which is part of the reason i like them so much so yeah i've always i've liked the rockies since about you know 2000 2001 when i first moved here okay all right good go gotcha yeah so yeah um i um am a cubs fan and that was mainly because of cable uh mm-hmm. you know ju- going back coming back from uh getting out of school coming home turning on the TV and of course uh, the Cubs game was on WGN at the time. And it was always, you know, like the seventh, eighth inning. And it was, you know, they were on there and that 87 was of course, Andre Dawson's MVP year. And yeah, he he was my uh, uh, favorite player. And of course, speaking of the, uh, (laughs) the big plays, the home runs, you know, of course that was, that was his year and monster, monster home runs, monster RBI title um, total at the, at the time. And, um, I got to uh, – so when he got inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, I made it a point to go. Cause, uh, That's so awesome. So I, I went to that, and that was awesome. No pun intended. Awesome to see Dawson 
uh, yeah. and, uh, get inducted, you know, and, and one of the, the quote I'll always remember from going was that, you know, love the game baseball. He said, love the game and the game will love you back. And Ellie. I think that's uh, a great thing to think about in any aspect of life. That is so true. Man, I love hearing stories like that, yo. God, I can't believe you went to the Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, great. Um, my dad was supposed to go with me, but unfortunately he had something else come up. So I um, went by myself. So Western New York, uh, there in Cooperstown. It was, uh, it was fun. It was great. Uh, a lot of great things I can say about that, that weekend. It was fun, of course, seeing the hall itself. Mm-hmm. The, the parade of, uh, you know, major of uh, Hall of Famers that... Uh, got that were still around being able to um, go you know and attend it was great seeing them in the like I said the parade at the uh, ceremony you know everything everything that weekend um, and I believe it's uh, uh, I think it's Lake Oswego that's up in that area so it's mm-hmm. cool seeing seeing that lake uh, too as well and I actually stayed in Albany so I just kind of commuted back and forth um, which isn't too bad it's kind of like uh, that area is kind of like what I would um, parallel with the, and if people are familiar with the Colorado area, kind of like, say, like the Conifer or Evergreen area. You're just oh, kinda, for sure, for just sure. Kinda, just kind of wooded, you know, got a, you know, a two-lane highway, two lane highway on each side. And it was, it was kind of a fun little commute, you know, every day into Cooperstown. So. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, I would love to go. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, definitely great, but... Um, you know, so, um, yeah, so, yeah, and I, of course, grew up with the Colorado Rockies, so they're my second favorite team, <laughs> so I support them, uh, you know, as much as I can, uh, you know, especially, you know, this upcoming week at this time of recording, they're uh, going to be playing the Cubs here in Coorsfield. Yeah, they are. So, uh, it's going to be fun, exciting. Uh, they just uh, played in Chicago, so they're turning around, you know, one series apart, and, uh, and I got tickets to two of the games, so... Probably going to see uh, Carlos Gonzalez return to Coors Field. Yeah, yeah. When uh, Cargo got signed to a minor league deal uh, to the Cubs, uh, you know, a little more than a week ago, because uh, mm-hmm. he was with the Indians and they, you know, released him. And I saw him and I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's an interesting pickup. And he's a definitely fan favorite of, oh, of yeah. the Rockies. He really shined here. Absolutely. And, and he's going to get a warm welcome coming back to Coors Field. Oh, man, that's going to be so cool. I uh, That's going to be an awesome moment. He's, yeah, he's one of those dudes, like, baseball player, he's great. Like, whatever, on the field, he's awesome. But he's just, supposedly, he's one of those guys that's just, like, a really, really good human being to be around. Um, a guy I used to work with said he took his kids to an autograph signing that went way over time. And all the other guys are kind of packing up, like, hey, sorry, I have to get going. And he just sat there at the booth waiting for every single kid to get their baseball signed and take a picture with this big old smile the whole time. Like that's, that's so awesome. I love athletes like that, man. They just they really get it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and uh, you know, independent wrestlers are kind of the same way. Would you agree? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. You know, I think we really know that it's a lot about you know it's a lot about the kids' experience. Yeah. Obviously. Um, I hope that people of all ages can have fun watching wrestling shows. And that's, you know, a huge part of it for us, especially if we go to like our bar shows, that's for a more mature crowd. But, um, I really, really take the time to spend some time with the kids when they come up for pictures or autographs or whatever, hang out with them, let them play the horn for a second. It's just, that's really the lasting moments for them. You know, it'll become like a funny anecdote for a parent or whatever, but like for the kid that might make all the difference in the world, like meeting that pro wrestler and, getting a chance to be interacting and be a part of the show for a second 
and get you know up close and personal that can be the decision that makes some kid want to grow up to be a pro wrestler someday you know what i mean like everyone's got their moment where they decided they wanted to be a wrestler like maybe that's that kids so i really take that stuff pretty seriously yeah and i could imagine um some kids are out there after getting an experience like that going when mom dad when are we going again when are we going again yeah <laughs> absolutely that's what it's about man that's the that's the best feeling in the world for us yeah it is uh all right, so then, uh, so you know, continuing with the the baseball a little bit, so when you just par- you know went off a little rat hole there for a second. Of course, you know, I remember the Bronx Bombers too, you know. Uh, and so, do w- when did you uh, move out to uh, Colorado? Did you say two thousand one? Yeah, uh, yeah. two thousand. Two thousand when my little brother was born. Yeah. So, uh, so you didn't get the experience when they played for the two years at my high stadium. That was no, kinda, I didn't. I just look at those old tapes. <laughs> yeah, and the, the first uh, the first home run, you know, seeing my high stadium configured for you know for baseball, where they you know move the stands and all that kind of stuff like that is yeah, it's kind of a kind of unique experience. So, and uh, yeah, I remember uh, back in high school, my science teacher talking about them moving the stands uh, back and forth to transition from face, ba- baseball to football that I believe uh, he said they did it on water. Um, so they pumped water under it and that's what helped them move it. And if there was, they, he would say if there was a way that they could, you know, um, pump um, air or, or hydrogen or something like that, like mm-hmm. one, one person could move it. And I thought that's that was kind of kind of fascinating. I'm like, yeah, and, you know, and I was a kid, so I'm like, is that true or not? And I've never taken the time to uh, research that if that was possible. But I believe that's what they said that they they had had they they moved that. But of course, uh, you know, when the Rockies came about, you know, there's no way that they could you know share the uh, share the stadium for that time. You know, they decided you know of course to get a dedicated stadium and get Coors Field, which opened in 1995. Mm-hmm. And hey, speaking of that, not, uh, Coors Field is now becoming one of the older ballparks in uh, the National League, not in baseball. What do you think about that? Of all these teams, isn't that wild? You, yeah, you I know, think not holding onto their stadiums that long. It's really interesting because I get why they do that. It's you know you want to obviously upgrade all your stuff and get to the newest you know attractions, and everything in there. But I think that Coors Field if I'm not mistaken, is now the third oldest National League ballpark. Yeah, which that's, is like that's right. insanity, you know? I mean, obviously, you're never going to beat um, uh, Coors Field, uh, or excuse me, um, Wrigley. Wrigley yeah. is obviously going to be going to be it. But uh, it really is bizarre that the Rockies, who are one of the newest teams in the league, and <laughs> they have like the third oldest National League ballpark, like – I don't know. I think it's cool that teams are always trying to upgrade and get newer stuff in there and really increase the fan experience. But I really think that, and I'm not even trying to be a homer here. Like I've been to a bunch of different baseball stadiums and I really think Coors Field is one of the best ones just because they've got the rooftop, but it's not invasive on the game at all. Like I really think that Coors Field does a good job of leaving the game alone and just having a good experience at the ballpark Without a lot of glitz and glamour and and all kinds of stuff uh, that could kind of distract or take away from the game, like the Marlins had that garish uh, fish jumping out in center field that they got rid of, and 
the Astros have that weird like lip in center field that they got rid of Talos Hill, which if there's Astros fans on here, sorry, but that was stupid and dangerous. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I just really think Coors Field, you know, it's it's good how it is. The rooftop stuff up there is totally fine. It's a party area. That's cool. But in general, it's just a great place to go see a baseball game. It's a fun experience. It's it's gorgeous ballpark. There's literally not a bad seat in the house. Yeah. Well, okay, then speaking of seats, what's kind of your favorite place? I have, I have a favorite uh, to sit. Where's, where's yours? What do you like? I like the pavilion. Yeah? So, so down in left field, you know, in front of the big scoreboard. I dig that. I really like the pavilion too, actually. I've actually always been a fan of sitting right above the uh, out-of-town scoreboard and right. I just think it gives a really different perspective on the game. Obviously, you know, if you can get t- tickets behind on plate, like, go for it. But um, I really like sitting out there in the outfield. Uh, you can see how the, how the defense aligns for different hitters. Um, obviously, we know how the infield sets up differently. But I really think it's fascinating to get a look at how the outfielders uh, go and shift around for the different hitters. And obviously, the opportunity to get a home run ball is never bad. Yeah. So, okay, so then I got a story about right field then for you. Do it. Uh, so uh, back in 95, I believe it was, the uh, Rockies uh, had an exhibition game against the New York Yankees, uh, which was my dad's uh, favorite team at the time. Well, a little, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. At the, uh, so, it was, so, so this was in uh, – bless you. So, Thank uh, you. Uh, so this was in uh, you know late March, right before the season started, and they the Yankees came in for a two game uh, set. I don't like I don't like calling the two game uh, matchups a series because I, I like more I to call it a set. <laughs> I'm totally with you on that. Uh, and so um, one of the Yankees hitters, I forget which one it was, but he hit um, just a huge fly ball out to right field, and at the time uh, the right fielder for the Rockies was Larry Walk. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah and uh sure. and uh so uh he uh larry walker caught the ball and we were in right field and we we were able we we're just right at the right angle we could still see him without getting our vision you know cut off by the wall there and he we saw him cut the ball and there was a runner on third for the yankees and w- w- larry threw a rope no bounce to home plate and the it was such a great throw the runner was just kind of waiting to see what happened with the throw but it was such a great throw he did not advance and i was just amazed that's so awesome you know you know larry walker um you know is one of the best baseball players best you know if not the best canadian born baseball player ever Mm -hmm. you know ever to play the game so He's up for uh, Hall of Fame nominations now, and honestly, he needs to go in. Yeah, you know, and it's, you know, hopefully the Coors Field bias, you know, kind of goes away. He needs to go away. That's the way I'm Man, I tell you what, I hope so, but I really think it's going to hurt Todd Heldon's chances of getting in, too. Yeah. As but, ridiculous as it is. Yeah. Well, you know, and I hope with, with, with when it comes to Helton, you know, I hope that they see that this is a guy that played for a single team his entire career. Mm-hmm. And I hope that helps him. That you know, see such an institution. I mean, he's got the the Burger Shack there at Coors Field, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Which are not bad, by the way. Yeah, they're pretty good. I love. I always oh, try yeah. to go over there. <laughs> got the Helton yeah, dog you know, and everything. Todd else. Helton was like the National League's most dangerous hitter from like 1997 to like 2002. Like he was the guy, and you know maybe a little bit. You know, if here's the thing, I don't want to get hot about this, but like. No, go ahead. If, if Coors Field is going to be held to this, like, oh, Coors Field, like, whatever, Citizens Bank Park needs to be held to the same standard. 
um, where the Phillies play is always a launching ground for home run balls. Yeah. Uh, the Great American Ballpark where Cincinnati uh, plays, that's an absolute, you know, astrological site for, for baseballs. And uh, if that's true for hitting, then like San Francisco, Petco Park in, in San Diego, like they've got to be held to the same standards for pitchers. You know, it's going to be a lot easier to pitch in that marine air where the ball is going to drop for you and you got this big, spacious outfield than it is in course field where the ball is lighter. So, you know, I think when you get into like, oh, the ballpark makes a difference, like you really open up a can of worms as to what does and does not constitute like an unfair advantage for a hitter or a pitcher. And I think course field just gets a bad rap. I mean, guys like Kyle Freeland, not in the year 2019, obviously, but in 2018, really tamed Coors Field and had an unbelievable – um, had unbelievable success there. So I don't know. I just think that that's a little bit of an outdated mentality for some of these old sports writers that hopefully will go away because, you know, you don't get to like a 330 whatever batting average only hitting well at home. You got to be pretty consistent on the road as well. So I don't know. It's just I, I don't like that. It's just a, it's just an old school mentality that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So, I mean, you have to play uh, eighty one games, like you said, eighty one games on the road, and eighty one games at, at home, and yep. at, at the end of the season, what's your stats? You know, and you know, of course, they can do the home and away splits if they wanted to, but you know, the numbers don't lie. <laughs> numbers do not lie. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, all right, so so we got some uh, baseball talk. Uh, you know, what do you think about the Rockies doing so far? They're kind of like not. They kind of had a little bit of a hot start, but then kind of, you know, um, kind of roller coastering a little bit. Yeah, you know, the Rockies' 2019 season is bizarre because they started off like losing, I think, like 13 of their first like 15 games or something. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah. And since then, they've really come on and have like the second or even tied for first best record in the national league. The problem is when you dig yourself such a deep hole to start, it gets really, really hard to climb out of it. So I really hope they can figure it out. Um, their pitching this year has not been exemplary. Uh, Herman Marquez has been their best starter, which is great. But Kyle Freeland obviously took a lot of steps backward. He's now in triple a trying to get figured out. Tyler Anderson, who was okay last year, uh, he's got a foot problem, which is going to put him, or a knee problem, which is going to put him out, I think, for the rest of the year. So he's not around. Uh, they're really relying on a lot of their old, along their younger guys, which is cool. The Rockies have a really strong farm system, and it's great to see guys like Ryan McMahon and Ryan Altapia and Brendan Rodgers get a shot. But it's also a lot to put on these guys who are basically kids. I mean, shoot, I'm older than some of them now, which is a terrifying thought. And uh, it's a lot to put on these younger guys to kind of take command of the team and and you know, try and get them towards a third straight postseason. So I definitely think that the Dodgers have the NL West wrapped up, but I don't think it's out of the question if the Rockies can have some uh, balls fall their way and get some, if they can just get some consistency out of their guys, they could definitely be fighting for a wild card spot. So uh, do you uh, follow the uh, minor league uh, teams? uh... A bit, Um, not as much as I probably could, but I do keep an eye on hard, yard goats i do keep an eye on the uh albuquerque isotopes i actually went to an isotopes game a couple years ago i sold my isotopes hat but when they were the dodgers affiliate yeah i just happened to be in town um for a music thing and i went to an isotopes game and then when they changed and became the affiliate of the rockies i was like oh great i don't have to burn this hat so um (laughs) 
so yeah, I do I do keep an eye on the isotopes and the uh, and the yard goats, especially when it's like a prospect whose name I recognize, or if there's like a, a major league uh, rehab assignment. You know, if uh, if like I kept I paid attention to Daniel Murphy and Charlie Blackman going down there when they were hurt. Um, Blackman just recently come back from AAA, so yeah, I I like to catch up on those guys whenever I can. Yeah. It made me really sad, though, when uh, the Rockies changed their AAA affiliation from the uh, Sky Sox to I know. the Isotopes. Because it was always kind of nice, nice to be able to, for us in Denver, go, hey, wanna, let's go catch a AAA game and go down to uh, Colorado Springs. And it's mm-hmm. only, you know, you know, 70 miles away and get to see, the, you know, maybe some players, same players, you know, like you said, rehab assignments, players that may come up and come up to uh, Denver. So. Yeah, well, now they've got a new Colorado Springs team starting up called the Vibes, isn't that right? Yeah, the Vibes, which is an interesting name. It's definitely Colorado influenced. <laughs> yeah, I like the uh, I like the little s'more mascot though. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Um, I believe they're still. I, I believe uh, Socks the Fox is still gonna be around though. Wild. Yeah, so it's gonna be gonna be uh, interesting, um, and you know now they are. I believe it's the rookie a short season league i believe if i'm not mistaken okay so yeah so they are um still affiliated with i believe the brewers uh and then the rockies uh rookie short season uh, team is in grand junction so they'll play each other so that'll be interesting that will be interesting see how that that works yeah exactly Yeah, and I've been one thinking about going to an Albuquerque Isotopes game too. Um, just uh, matter, it's a little bit farther away than Colorado Springs. Yes, but, yes, uh, yes, you know, still can get there. You still can get there in a day if you leave really early. <laughs> uh, it's fun. It's a cool ballpark. It's a. It's bigger than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, you know, and I think that was the reason why the Colorado, the Rockies um, decided to. Uh, speaking of you know aging ballparks and stuff like that, I think that was the reason why they. Um, you know, change affiliation is because this the facilities at um, uh, Security Service Field, I believe it is. Um, uh, just you know, we're aging and just not quite right with what the what the Rockies wanted for their AAA team. Mm-hmm. So, and I can totally understand that. And I know there's I know there's been calls about replacing you know replacing that field, but. Um, right. Have you gone to? Have you gone down the a Sky Sox game? Uh, you know, it's embarrassing. I never have. You never have. Okay. I I need to. Yeah, I've gone to quite a few, and I like to go to when they have theme nights. So like when they have, um, uh, Sky Fest or something like that, which is like a science fiction related Avengers Star oh, Trek, yeah. you know, kind of stuff like that. Um. So I've been to there. Uh, they've got. It's a really cool. It's a definitely a minor league ballpark. Uh. You know, the uh, amenities are not uh, major league standard, you know, uh, like, you know, there's not the fancy, the fancy foods, but there's the, the basics. Uh, right. Really intimate setting. Um, I know they've uh, they always have sometimes have uh, celebrities there and went down one time when uh, Walter Keenig was of, of Star Trek fame, uh, played uh, Chekhov. Uh, oh, that's the, so cool. He was there. Star, he was there uh, doing oh, a signing. Awesome. And I think he even uh, did the. Um, uh, batter announcements for a half inning for for oh, the, so for the cool. Sox. That was kind of fun, uh, you know, to see him. So I got an autograph with him, uh, even though I already autographed with him before at a convention. So, Hell yeah, yeah. But it, it's definitely an intimate um, experience, and you can get uh, ch- uh, tickets for really inexpensive. And it's 
definitely worth a fun time there. I, I That's what's so cool about minor league games is it's, they're really about like just the experience and like getting guys out there. Like they always have all kinds of wild, uh, yeah, little um, uh, uh, theme nights, like you're saying. Like I think that's really cool. Plus, some of these minor league team names are absolutely wild, like Mud Hens and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, there's one, it's like dirt dogs or something. Like, that's so cool to me. Yeah. You know, and there's um, uh, the, I think there's one, I think it's the Amarillo um, uh, sod poodles or. That's poodles. what it is. The yeah. sod poodles. Yeah. <laughs> what a great name. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, you know, some of the designs for the minor league teams, it's like, yeah, why, uh, for like the hats and, and, and shirt and jerseys and stuff. Yeah. It's like, why is not MLB doing some of this stuff? You know? Seriously. Yeah, because some of my um, favorites, of course, uh, the vi- the of course the vibes are got a good looking logo, and uh-huh. um, the uh, Florida Fire Frogs uh, down in uh, uh, in Orlando, Kissimmee, I believe. Uh, they uh, they have a really cool hat. They're they got a fire breathing frog. You know what I mean? You know, what the heck, you know. <laughs> I love it. So, it's so uh, I love it. It's so fun. Yeah, and you know, sometimes I just want to buy the hat just because it's got a cool logo. <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely. So, all right. Oh uh, well, um, you know, Cormac, I, th- you know, I think uh, that's basically I, all I had to really, uh, you know, the topics we were going to talk about. But you have anything else you want to uh, talk about, or maybe even just plug? I was oh, let's plug. So, um, obviously, Rocky Mountain Pro every Thursday, seven p.m. Mountain Time. Check us out on Right Now TV or on Twitch. Uh, we've got a huge um, month of shows coming up in June which will be ending with our biggest event, which is Milestone 9. That will be at the Summit Music Hall on June 30th. Um, you can go to the website, uh, RockyMountainProWrestling.com. Check out all the dates and uh, all the information is available to you there. But that's the big one. We really want to get that place packed, man. I'm hoping to have a good crowd for that. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say it, but whatever. Al Snow is going to be there. Uh, we're going to have a huge, huge, huge show. Obviously, championships on the line. It'll be a good time. And then if you want to follow me, you can always hit me up, uh, Cormac Battle Pro. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those good deals. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thank you for your time. And uh, everybody, follow up with uh, Rocky Mountain Pro and Cormac Battle. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate you. All right. You're welcome. Once again, a big thank you to Cormac Battle for coming on to the podcast this time around and letting all the listeners get to know a little bit more about him and have those conversations that we just don't get anywhere else. Well, before we end this episode, let's pay some bills like they used to say back in the day. And that is if you'd like to purchase a shirt or a pop socket or other kinds of things from one or two or even three or more of your favorite Rocky Mountain Pro superstars, it's as simple as going over to the website rmpwrestling.com click on the merch link and you'll find everything there and there you've got all kinds of great choices you can get an Ari Aurora shirt I've been told that Cormac Battle shirts are probably on their way if they are not as the time of this recording is released and then we also have some upcoming events this is a very important weekend for Rocky Mountain Pro and that is because it is milestone weekend and the weekend starts off with Supercharged on Thursday, coming from the quarry at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds in Golden, Colorado. 
Then on Friday, we are at the Rack House going to get Rack House Rowdy for the Rocky Mountain Pro Experience. And then on Saturday, we are at Romero's in Lafayette. And then we're going to cap off the weekend on Sunday with Milestone 9, the Big Daddy Anniversary Show. And if you want to get tickets, it's as simple as going to rmprestling.com, clicking on the events link, and you'll find your tickets and information right there. But I've got a deal for you guys. You want to save some money on your Milestone tickets? Hit up your favorite Rocky Mountain Pro superstar, announcer, commentator, heck, even hit up your favorite referee, and they've got tickets they can sell you, and they'll save you some money. Basically, you're saving the service fees, so you can do that. If you want to watch us, uh, you can watch us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Pro. You can find us on Impact Plus at impactplus.tv. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Rocky Mountain Pro. And, of course, you can also find us on Fight TV as well as Right Now TV. And follow us on social media. Everything stems from the website at rmprestling.com. And you are you can also find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram all of the handles there are the Rocky MTN Pro. So the Rocky Mike Tango November Pro. So thank you all for listening to this episode of RMP Radio, where pro wrestling is elevated. We'll